0: Give me the Bible, life shall guide me in the narrow way. This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert.
1: I have an idea that there is a book that you have in your home. That, that you really revere, you, 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 you really respect it and you love it. And that book is called the Bible. And it's the greatest book, isn't it? The greatest book in all of the world is God's Word. And I just wish that everyone loved the Bible like you do. You, you're watching this telecast because you love the Word of God. And, and I've heard people say, well, it seems like you're deifying the Bible. No, we're not deifying the Bible. The, the Bible is the divine revelation of the one who is deity. And it's word, the Word of God that's revealed to man today. What we'd like to do today on our telecast is talk about three things from the Bible. We're going to read one little short verse in the Old Testament. And we want to see what lessons we can learn from that little short verse. So stay tuned as we talk about three things from the Bible. Now, today on our telecast, we continue to offer a free Bible course. And I I, I want to emphasize, I'd just like to highlight the, the word free. Because sometimes people say, I just don't believe that it's free. Nobody does that anymore. Well, we do. Nothing that we offer, it costs you if you want a CD, if you want a DVD, the Bible course. All of that is free of charge. Now, what we would like to do is pause long enough so you can learn how to receive the free Bible correspondence course. And also, the number you have on the screen is also the number you would call to receive a CD of a lesson or the DVD of the same lesson. But let's pause for just a moment. One of the Old Testament prophets that is not discussed very much is the prophet Hosea. I I had a teacher in school, the late Dr. Rex Turner Sr., who I think was one of the uh, most noted scholars on Bible prophecy. I, I sat in his prophet class for four years, and sometimes one of the young preachers would say over in the book of Hosea, Brother Turner would correct him and say, Now, that's not Spanish. This is Hosea. So that's the way I pronounce it. I guess that's the reason I do. is because I was taught by Dr. Turner. But what I'd like to do now is read from the book of Hosea, chapter 8 and verse number 12. Just a very short verse. I've written for him the great things of my law, but they were considered... A strange thing. Man needs divine knowledge. Man man needs it. And the fact that man needs divine knowledge, divine revelation, shows his need for being guided. The world today, in a great respect, wants to guide itself. So, so, many, so many people say, I, don't, I, I can take care of myself. I, I, I like it my way. I want to do it my way. But see, there's a way that seems right to people. It might seem the right way. It might seem a pleasing way to But it could be that that's the end of death, Proverbs 14, verse 12. And, and Jeremiah said, Oh, Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in himself. It's not in man that walks to direct his steps. So so you see, we need guidance. And and it comes from the divine revelation of God. Uh, People want to be happy. But how are we really going to be happy? Uh Our happiness is dependent upon our using the Word of God. I don't think we'll ever be happy apart from a knowledge of the Bible. It's the Bible that teaches us how to be happy. In the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 12, Jesus began each one of those Beatitudes by saying blessed or blessed, blessed. And that word means happy. Jesus gives us in the Bible the formula for being happy. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3 said, He that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, his lips that they speak no guile. He's telling us how to live a full, happy, complete life. And so the Bible helps us along that line. Now there are three things about the Bible that I'd like for us to note today. And it all comes from the little text I read out of Hosea chapter 8 and verse 12. First of all, The Bible claims to be the Word of God. Notice the language again. I have written. I have written. Now this is God speaking, isn't it? I've written. This is the revealed Word of God. This is revealed from God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. You see, the Bible is the Word of God and it claims to be the inerrant Word of God. Do you remember the statement of Jesus in Matthew 5, 17 where Jesus said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law. And the prophets, he said, no, no, I didn't come to destroy it. I came to fulfill it. And Jesus went on to say that until it's all fulfilled, there will not be one jot and there will not be one tittle that that will be lost or destroyed from the law. Now, a jot was the smallest of Hebrew letters. And the tittle was like the crossing of a T. There would not even be the smallest portion of the Bible that would be destroyed until all of that, Jesus said, would be fulfilled. Folks, that's verbal inspiration with with a vengeance. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about the inspiration of the Word of God. And I want to call to your attention uh, to some verses in 2 Corinthians, the 1 Corinthians, rather, the, the 12th chapter, beginning in verse number 10. He says, where he says, but God has revealed them to us through his His Spirit. For for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of God except the Spirit of man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. That we, why would they, they get that spirit? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Now verse 13, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For he has, who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. So that's verbal inspiration with a vengeance. That this is the inspired word of God given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now let me ask you a question. Somebody says, well, you know, Brother Lambert, I don't believe that. Who says that? Who is it that says that the Bible has not been written by the hand of God? That it was not revealed through inspired men by the Holy Spirit of God? Who says that? Well, the first person that ever said that was the devil. The devil said that. You go back to Genesis, the third chapter. And in Genesis chapter 3, God told man and woman as he put them in the Garden of Eden, he said, now, there's a tree in the midst of the garden. And you're not to eat of that fruit of that tree. It, it's, it, it is forbidden fruit. Well, someone says, now, why did he forbid them to eat the apple? Who said there was an apple? You see, I hear people talking about Adam and Eve eating an apple. There's not anything about that in the Bible. You see, that's sort of adding to it, isn't it? But but they ate of that fruit. Now, why did they eat of that fruit? Well, Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3 said that Eve was deceived by the serpent. And the serpent asked this question. Now, didn't God say that you should not eat of that fruit? That that, that if you were to eat of that fruit that you would die? Didn't God say that? Oh, yes, yes, that's what God said. Well, then the devil comes right on back and he says, Well, now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm a little smarter than God. You shall not surely die. But God God knows that if you eat of that fruit that you're going to be as wise as he is. And so they ate of the fruit. And because of that, they were driven from the Garden of Eden and sinned. And suffering and death entered into the world. So, say, the first person to change the inerrant Word of God was the devil. He said, He acknowledged, I know this is what God said, but this is what I think, this is what I say. And unfortunately, down through the centuries, even to the present day, there are people that, that assume that position about the Word of God you'll read them a plain passage of Scripture out of the Bible, just, just, just plain and simple, easily understood, and they'll say, well, I know that's what it says, Brother Lambert. I know that's what it says. However, here's the way I see it. Well, now, is the way you see it what it says? Well, not exactly. I'm not reading it and seeing it the way that you see it. I see it in a different way. Well, have you ever wondered why you see it in a different way? Have you ever wondered why when, when we read something out of the Bible that's so plain and so simple that even a small child can understand it? Such as he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Somebody said, now, Brother Lambert, I've heard you say, use that verse time and time again. But I really don't see it that way. Well, why don't you see it that way? Yeah, who, who is it that says the Bible is not the inerrant word of God? Those of are worldly wise say that. In Romans chapter 1, starting around verse 18, Paul wrote, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. For that which may be known of God has been revealed to them because He showed it to them. For the the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even His eternal power and Godhead so that they're without excuse. For when they knew Him as God, when they knew Him as God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination and their foolish heart was darkened. They became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Now, next verse, verse 22. And professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Foolish people. Why? Because they knew what God said. But they said, I know that's what the Bible says. I know that's what the Bible teaches. But here's the way I see it. I see it a completely different way, and I don't believe it. Somebody said, well, how do you know that's what they were saying? Well, go back to verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And to hold the truth means to reject the truth, to suppress the truth, to deny the truth. You see, there were those in Paul's day who knew the truth. They heard the truth, but they rejected the truth. And and they became wise in their own eyes. And as a result of that, they became fools in the sight of God. You see, the the Bible is written by God. God in this little passage says, I have written. I have written for Him. Now look at the second thing in that passage. The great things... Of my law. Well, What is there about the law of God so great? Well, think about the unaccountable unity there is in the Bible. Now, the Bible is not just one book. Hear me out. The Bible is a collection of 66 books of the Bible. There are 66 books of the Bible. 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. 66 in all. But all of those books, written by some 40 men over a period of some fifteen to 1,600 years, from different walks of life, different places, different geographical locations, all wrote on a unified theme. And that unified theme was Jesus and the salvation of the human race. When you read the Old Testament, the message of the Old Testament is so simple. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. From Genesis all the way down to the book of Malachi in the Old Testament, all the way through, The prophets and the the law and the Psalms and the prophets are telling us about Jesus coming into the world to be the Savior. And you come to the New Testament and you start reading in Matthew 1 verse 1 and, and you will learn that the New Testament tells us Jesus has come. He has come. But it also tells us He's coming back someday. You see, there's this unity of the Bible. All of these men from different walks of life all wrote about Jesus Christ. That's a marvel to me. Just suppose 40 men from different parts of the world who were sculptors were commissioned to start working on a piece of art a piece of marble, and that at some point in time they were all going to come together and each one would bring the piece of marble that he had been working on, that he had been fashioning, and and that they would put all of those pieces together like the parts of a puzzle, and that all of those pieces from all of these 40 so, uh, uh, men would then develop into a a marvelous a, a, a statue or a, a piece of art. And so these men have been working on those pieces of marble and finally they come together. All of them comes in with a piece in his hand that he's been working on and they start putting them together, one piece after the other. When they do, there's the most gorgeous piece of artwork that man has ever seen. It all just fits together like the parts of a puzzle. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? But folks, that's exactly what the writers of the Bible did. They, they were living in different parts of the world. They were they, they had different occupations, different backgrounds, and yet when they wrote on this unified theme about Jesus, all of it just fits together like the pieces of a puzzle. That's one of those strange things about His law. And then you think about That salvation that the Bible talks about. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that an amazing thing that's about His, that's so wonderful? Hebrews chapter 2 calls it in verse 3 a great salvation. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? I don't know what the writer had in mind necessarily when he called it a great salvation. Uh, It's great in its scope. It's for the whole world, isn't it? And that means it's for you, for me, it's for all people, regardless of where we live. You see, the gospel is not an American gospel. The, the, the gospel is for the whole world. Jesus said, go into all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the reason that we're very fortunate on getting to know your Bible, to be able to preach in various parts of the world. people, We, we preach to people that we will never be able to see personally. That it's a great salvation because of its scope. It's a great salvation because of its offer. And the offer, offer is salvation or freedom from our sins. And when we obey the gospel by believing on Jesus and by repenting of our sins, confessing faith in Christ, by being baptized into Christ, then we can have our sins forgiven. Isn't that an amazing thing? This is one of those great things of the law. The salvation is so great. I think about how simple the gospel is. I think that's one of the things about it that's so great. So simple, so easily understood. You know, men have a tendency to take things and, and to make them so confusing and so complicated that you can't understand them. But the gospel is not like that at all. It's so simple. I, I've often said to people, I, I ask them these questions. i would be talking to them maybe about their soul. I said, do, do, do you believe that Jesus died to save you? They said, yes, I do. I said, do you believe that you're a sinner? They said, yes, I do. I said, do you know that Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized... Shall I be saved? They said, yes, I do. Well, I said, then, friend, you know, it need, you know enough to become a Christian. There'll be things you'll learn after you're baptized, for sure. But you need, to, you need to put first things first in your life. You need to go ahead and become a Christian. That's so simple, isn't it? It's not difficult to understand. And then I think about the worldwide influence of the Bible and of the Word of God. We're to carry it to all people. We're to preach the gospel, not to just to the people we like or the people that like us. We're to love all mankind and we're to preach it to all the world. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then another uh, one of those wonderful things about the Bible is its indestructible nature. Its indestructibility. All down through the years there have been people who've tried to destroy the Word of God, but it continues to live. Aren't their efforts so futile? There are people in the society today that just despise the Bible so they, they would just like to eradicate it from society. But I believe there's a great movement of have put today a movement to lift up the Word of God, a movement to lift up God Almighty, a movement to lift up Jesus, to lift up the Holy Spirit, to lift up salvation. To respect the things that God has said. You cannot destroy this book, folks. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And one of these days, the heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of the living God will abide forever. 1 Peter 1.25 Oh, yes, go back to our text. I've written for them the great things of my law. There's so many things about the law of God that we could call great. But how did they treat it? They were considered a strange thing. They were considered a strange thing. So how should we treat the Bible? Well, first of all, let me suggest that we ought to study it. We should study the Bible. why don't you right now determine that you're going to study the Bible every day? You're going to make it your practice to study the Bible every day. Paul said, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, the second thing I suggest you do with the Bible is to believe it. It's not enough to study it. You must believe it. And it is the Bible that creates faith in our hearts. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. And then the third thing you do with the Bible is obey it. It's not enough just to read it. It's not enough just to study it. We must obey it. Uh, over in James, the first chapter, the writer is talking about the Word of God, beginning in verse number 18. Of His own will... He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. That's the Bible. Which is able to save your soul Now, verse 22, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what manner of man he was. Now, listen to verse 25. But who he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, that's the Bible, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. We're blessed by when we do what we read in the Bible. So that's the attitude we ought to have. We don't want to count it a strange thing. We don't want to neglect it or reject it. We want to obey it. Well, would you obey the Bible today? Well, that is, would you obey the Word of God? Revelation 22:14 14 says, Blessed are those who do His commandments that they may have a right to the tree of life, may enter in through the gates into the city. I want to thank you for watching today. And I would like to give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And also right now before we close, pick up the telephone right now and call for the free Bible Correspondence Course. If you prefer, you can take the course online. But whatever you do, avail yourself of this opportunity. And again, I invite you to visit with us at your earliest convenience at The Church of Christ. If you need help finding the church, let us know. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer.
0: We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible@golftel.com at or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.